Welcome to the Home Team Podcast. Welcome to the Home Team Sacramento Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Takimoto. Uh, unfortunately, my good friend Kevin Bracey is not here tonight, but that is okay because we have a very special guest. She is a former University of Washington softball player and a 2020 Team USA softball player, Allie Aguilar. What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Good. We are so excited to have you on the podcast because uh, like we were talking about before this, this recording, uh, you and I spoke on a different, on the character combine podcast, I think almost two years ago, and you were preparing to go to the Olympics in Tokyo before COVID hit. And so we were all excited. Yeah. It's like, oh, we can't wait. And then all of a sudden the craziness of the world happened. And here we are, uh, talking about your Olympic experience way, way later, but right. all that being said, I'm still super excited to, to ask you a bunch of questions about, you know, your time there. And then obviously just you being an athlete and, and your mentality and your impact on the players around you. So, um, and I can't thank you enough for, for hanging out with us and being willing to chat with us a little bit. Of course. So, and I also want to say too, that, uh, Allie played baseball or softball at Casa Roble high school, which is where I graduated from. Uh, I believe you graduated with my brother, Jordan. Yeah. Um, so we have that connection there. So it's, it is yeah. super cool to, to talk to you about, um, to talk, just talk to you in general on this podcast, but I'm going to start here since we brought up Casa in Orangevale. Mm -hmm. I was talking to uh, Brandon Stokely and he was, I was speaking at one of his um, summer camps this past summer and it was during the Olympics. And he's like, that's crazy. All the stuff that you're seeing about Allie and her playing on the Olympics. I said, yeah. He's like, it's really cool to see like at the, when you're up at bat, you see Orangevale. Like it's not just Sacramento, mm -hmm. like you see Orangevale specifically. Yeah. So like for you, how, like, what does that mean to you to represent Orangevale at that yeah. at such a, a huge stage? And like, what did that mean to the community? And from your yeah. perspective, I mean, I just thinking, I, I kind of think back to when I was younger too, watching girls on the USA team play. And, uh, there's, there was one person, Janae Lilas and her said fair Oaks. And I thought that was so cool. Like it didn't say Sacramento it said fair Oaks. I was like, I know she, you know, she went to school like right near where I'm going. Like, so it was really cool to look up and have that connection. So I always like knew I wanted it to say Orangeville whenever I had the opportunity, just cause I don't know. I feel like it's so important to know where you came from. And like Orangeville is a small town where like everyone knows everyone it's Casa and all the support. And so, um, yeah, I, th I felt like it was intentional putting that and like, just knowing that, I don't know, I just want to point back to the community that kind of built me, you know, obviously starting off on the rec in the rec league in Orangeville and then Casa and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like just having that community support of, the town of Orangeville is awesome. Absolutely. And I can tell you being here uh, during that time that so many people were so excited. Like, I think anytime your name came up, it was like, oh my gosh, she's a softball player in the Olympics. Like, yeah, she is. She's from Orangeville. Like, I yeah. think so many people were, were just so excited. And like, like you said, it's got to be such an amazing feeling. And I, I imagine, I'm, I'm sure you've had the opportunity to visit different softball teams and softball facilities. Like, what is it like? Like you said, Jan you used to look up to, to Janae when you saw mm -hmm. her playing, which is crazy. My my wife uh, went to Rio and she actually oh, played okay. she played softball with her. 
Um, oh, awesome. Yeah. And she said, yeah, she it was a different, it was a different uh, animal when you saw her play. Like, <laughs> yeah. She's, she's yeah. It's a, it's a different thing, but yeah. um, what has it been like going to, you know, like, like I said, visiting different softball teams, people that see you as this, uh, this Olympian, this person who's played at like the biggest stage, like, what is that like? And what is that feeling when you see the look in the eyes of young, young female athletes that are looking at you like, oh my gosh, this is, this person is awesome. Like, what is that feeling like? Yeah. One, it's like, it's kind of weird because I'm like, I just feel like an ordinary person. So like when I can kind of see that sparkle in their eyes, it, it's like, oh, like it's sort of like, man, am I, am, did I, you know, you just feel like it's kind of a little bit weird, but at the same time, it's like, it's such a, like something I want to treat them right. You know, like I want to give them um, the time of day and I want to really like pour the knowledge that I have from playing the game of softball, like back into them. So it's like this, I feel like it's like, it, it feels weird, but it's also like a really great honor to be able to like be someone that represents our country and has represented our country on the biggest stage at the Olympics and to be able to like just share and like and motivate them ultimately to reach their dreams as well. But it's pretty cool because I knew that I was that young girl that was definitely looking at all the other Olympians before me and like just starstruck. So which, which is so awesome because, you know, based on the conversations we've had in the past and now you seem like someone that embraces the responsibility that comes with being a role model. Like I know there's some athletes that don't want to do that. They're like, Hey, I signed up to be great at my sport. I don't want to be you know, great off the field. Like I want to be able to do whatever I want to do, but you seem like someone who has just accepted that role and not just accepted it, but it almost feels like you want to be that person. Um, is that something that you have always had, or is that something that you've developed like throughout your athletic career as, as more eyes have been on your, your skills and abilities? Yeah, I think like my dad instilled in me from like a young age, like, so even when I was in high school, I committed. So I started to probably get on me in high school when I was going to go to the University of Washington, but he always like, really taught me to like, I don't know, not only like remain humble, but just like to give every single person the attention and just like, I don't know, just be a good role model, do the right thing. Even if I'm giving lessons or teaching younger girls, like give every single person all of my attention and give them everything that I can. And so I feel like that's kind of been instilled into me just to treat people right. But um, yeah, I think throughout time, it's kind of evolved into different things of my own. Just I'm really big on like, women and girls knowing their purpose and, um, um, just competing in a really like competitive way, but also a really like respectful way, like be a good teammate, be kind and, um, sort of like graceful in the way you play. It doesn't have to be so like hardcore. And I feel like that's kind of changed over, over time, just how to be like a, a woman in sport. Um, I'm kind of starting to get more like, I want to be able to share that with younger girls. Like it's okay to still be who you are, but also be able to compete. And so I, I really like it. Like anything that I can like share with the younger generation, I've always been like, cause I know how I was when I was younger growing up, like very curious, very question, like I want to know everything. So I know that that's maybe how they feel. And I want to be able to give that to them and just be an example of like something that hopefully they would look up to and want to be like. Yeah, that's great. Uh, let me ask you this. Who, who was your favorite athlete growing up? Or maybe who is, who is still your favorite athlete and why? Um, growing up, I mean, I don't think I really had uh, anyone besides like fourth and eighth grade. I looked up to 
the people that were on the 04 and 08 Olympic team, which was the last time that softball was in the Olympics before 2020 or 2021. But Mm -hmm. it was like Natasha Watley and Caitlin Lowe, I would say were the two biggest because at the time I was a lefty slapper and, um, you know, Natasha Wally played shortstop. And so I was just like same positions as them. So I remember I would like get on the TV, watching the Olympics and like mimic their swings. And like, I just really like had that dream of being like them one day. Um, so I'd probably say them. And then full circle moment is I ended up being playing in Japan in 2018 and 19. And when I was playing in Japan, Natasha Watley, who I look up to for so much, was my coach while I was there because she was an American coach in Japan. Oh, wow. So it was like, yeah, it was crazy that like someone I only thought I, like I would never be able to talk to. I was like, she was my coach. Yeah. So I would have to say like the Olympic players, but specifically like Watley and Lowe. Got it. Yeah. Well, speaking of, speaking of, um, you know, people you looked up to being softball players, all that stuff. Uh, I told you this last time when we spoke, but, um, so my, my daughter, she's almost three years old. Uh, she's a quarter Japanese. And I believe that's what we, you yeah. and I talked about a little bit. You're also a yeah. quarter Japanese. Yep. Um, since then we had another daughter. So we have two little girls Aww. and, uh, obviously they're both quarter, a quarter Japanese. And I'm really hopeful that uh, they're going to see you and think, Hey, that's what I'm telling them. Hey, that's Allie. She's a quarter Japanese. So just be that good at softball. If you could. <laughs> That's what I'm trying yeah. to instill in them right now. Yeah. Both yeah. me and my wife are like, Hey, just, just follow her lead. She's really good. <laughs> I'll teach him. I'll teach him. <laughs> All right. All right. I know last time we talked, I'm like, I need you on my outdoor softball team because we're terrible, yeah, but so obviously good. you were busy at the Olympics, so we couldn't make that work. <laughs> Maybe in the future. I don't know okay. how good I'd be because I don't slow pitches is a whole different game. <laughs> See right now, my brother and my wife are listening to this and they know it's like, she doesn't know what she just did because he's definitely going to reach out to get on the <laughs> softball team. So <laughs> like, um, Allie may have messed up. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so, so let me, let's, let's kind of jump into uh, the Olympic stuff. Because like I said, mm-hmm. when we spoke a couple of years ago, you were a few months out from getting ready to go to Japan and playing the Olympics in, in 2020, obviously the world got flipped upside down yeah. and you know, it, it just, it didn't work out. So from, from a, a competitive athletic standpoint, what, what was it like mentally and even physically? Like how did, how much, what did you adjustments did you have to make to your training? Cause I'm sure you were, you guys were training a specific way at that moment. And then obviously like mentally you're in a specific space because you know, it's like, Hey, I'm a few months from the Olympics. And then it goes to, I don't even know if I'm gonna get the chance to play in the Olympics at this point because of everything that's going on. So like, just take us through like, what was your mentality? What was the process like both physically and mentally as you were going through it? Yeah, I think the hardest part was just not knowing if it was going to be in the Olympics ever. Like we, we just kind of were like at a halt and we're like, we don't know if it's going to be there in the future. And so I feel like that was the hardest part, just like the not knowing in the schedule. And then also we had a whole tour planned. So we had like 70 something games. We were going to come to Sacramento, play at Rayleigh field, like have this whole, everyone knew about it. So it was like, we had our schedule like planned out like fully. And then to just be like, Oh, it might be postponed. It might not happen. It might. And then finally it canceled. And then it, and then in 2021, our schedule was not the same. Like we didn't have the 70 games just because we were preparing for so long for that 2020 year to have that schedule in front of us. So I I would say the hardest thing was um, coming back 2021 and not having that full schedule just because it was all planned for 2020 and COVID and you can't have fans and 
these people don't want you here and you have to be test this, you know, like all of those variants, I feel like was, was hard. But during the COVID time, I would say I didn't realize how much like how important facilities are, whether that's a gym facility, the facility I hit at um, the softball fields. I mean, softball fields was a little different because it was outside, but sure. it's like not having access to a gym, like not having weights. Like I literally went to the park and like threw the ball against the wall to like get ground balls. And I mm-hmm. would do squats in my house or like, it's like literally took me back to like, you know, middle school, high school, when you'd like kind of just be stuck <laughs> in your house trying to like figure out a way to work out. So yeah. it was, it was cool because it was eye opening. Uh, but it was tough because you're like, I'm supposed to be an Olympic athlete. And I literally am trying to like work out against this wall ball court at <laughs> across the street. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was tough for sure. Just like, I mean, I'm sure everyone else was in the same boat with that. Oh, I'm sure that's yeah. such a good point. I didn't, I didn't even really think about it from that perspective, but I mean, obviously all the facilities were shut down and like yeah. you said, you're, you're an Olympic athlete Yeah, you're at the top level there. I mean, you always hear stories about the training facilities, like people going to yeah. what Colorado to train at the high altitudes, like state yeah. of the art stuff. And like you said, there you are, you know, yeah. just throwing it against a, t- like a tennis ball or a tennis ball wall. Yeah, and man, what a weird, you know, what a weird mindset shift that yeah. had to have been, but you also said it's like, it was kind of cool. Like, I don't know how many people would have said it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? To get that perspective, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a very unique uh, perspective, but like, I guess it doesn't surprise me either about you because you've seen like a very positive person. And like, we obviously follow you on social media, which I would suggest everybody stop what you're doing, go follow Allie and then come back because, um, so much positivity, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, obviously, obviously softball, your faith, um, you know, there's a lot of positive motivational stuff. And so I guess, I mean, it sounds funny you saying that this experience was cool when everybody else is like, this was the worst thing ever. But again, I think that it's just, yeah. a, I guess, a testament to, you know, your mindset, which I, I mean, I imagine played a huge role in how you got through this whole COVID thing as you were preparing for the Olympics. What kind of, what, I guess, what role did you play with like teammates? Or like, how did you guys support each other during that time? Because I imagine, I mean, it's like, it's family, right? Like that's your yeah. team. Those are your, mm-hmm. your teammates, your family, your sisters at, at that point. Like, how did, how did everybody kind of work together and come together to support each other during that time? Yeah, we, I mean, I'm sure as everyone else did, had a lot of Zoom calls. So yeah. <laughs> we got on like these weekly calls and just as a unit, as a team, like make sure we'd stayed connected and we would just do fun things. I mean, cause we didn't know, we couldn't do any like softball wise things. We didn't know when the Olympics were going to be. So we just, we kind of did these Ted talk Tuesdays where we would, you know, one person would teach us how to make monkey bread. And then the next you know, week, someone taught us how to do a dance and like whatever they were passionate about. Like one of my teammates taught calligraphy. So we just kind of like bonded through um, Zoom and like our different, I guess, different aspects of us off the field that make us who we are. Um, and I, like mine was a little joke because I like soccer, but I, I'd stopped playing when I was 12. So I like taught like a whole thing about the game of soccer or something to my, to my teammates, but like, we just did like fun things. And I feel like that was important for us just to know each other better off the field and try to stay connected um, because that's just as important as on the field um, aspect. So that was for the most part, what we did um, right when COVID hit. And then later on, we um, got the team together and were able to, to finally do workouts together. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, who's your, who's your favorite teammate? 
No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to answer that question oh. <laughs> unless, unless you want to. I was like, that's going to be a hard one. I have to yeah, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see if she would do it, but I won't make her answer that question. Cause I'm sure you, I'm sure you love all your teammates. So I do. <laughs> good, course. good, good. Um, so in that kind of along the same lines though, obviously, like I had mentioned before, uh, we're all a part of this home team here in Sacramento. So you may have to kind of go back a little bit, or maybe, you know, that's okay. You can shout out anybody, but like I, like I kind of explained to you before, this whole idea of home team is we compete against each other. We, we compete at you know our very best to beat the other team. But at the end of the day, even if we wear a different uniform, even if we go to a different school, even if we compete for a different organization or um, you know, a group or even a country, right? In your case, like we're all, if we have the desire to make the people around us better, like we're all a part of this home team, right? We're all a part of this, this group that's trying to um, have a positive impact on the world. That being said, we're still competitive, like I said. So that being said, who is someone that you love competing against? You have a lot of respect for when you compete against them. And why do you have so much respect for them as a competitor? Could it be compete with or against in anyone? Or is it just... Uh, I was thinking specifically against. Against, right. Uh, against, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I would. I would think... In anyone, it doesn't have to be from when I was younger. It can be. be Okay, the first thing that came to my mind when I thought like against is Japan. I mean, they're our biggest rival in softball, like for US. Yeah, just their team. Um, and like obviously, we don't even speak the same language, so it's like, but you can bond through this game of softball, or like just how skilled they really are, like at the game and. I don't know. I just feel like I have a lot of respect about how much hard work they put in and like the hours that they practice is like unreal. Like we practice three hours, four hours, maybe in college and like complain, (laughs) but they're literally out there for like eight hours a day working hard and like doing what they do. Um, and like it shows on the field. And so I, I think I just really respect the hard work and the way they go about their game and like, um, that's someone that, you know, it's all the way across in a different country, but, uh, I feel like, you know, we're still on the same team. I still respect them and they beat us in the gold medal game, but you know, like I still respect them and, you know, all the best to them. So I I would say them, like they're really, I really respect like the way they do go about things. That's awesome. Was it, you know, obviously, you know, every team has a little bit of a different style, right? They play a different style of, of softball. Did that when you guys were preparing, was there, I mean, was it like a way, like a completely different level of preparation than you've had to do before? Just because, I mean, obviously, like you said, the amount of training they do is so intense. I imagine the style they play is yeah. also very different. Like what, how did that work when you guys were preparing and training? Yeah. Well, for, I mean, for Japan, we know that they're fast, they have speed and stuff like that. So we had to like quicken up our pace. Um, we know they like to do small ball. We know, um, just different things about the way they, they might pitch different sequences sequences. And so, yeah, we definitely had to like prepare for their style. And that's true for every country that we played, like each country is going to have a different style. So, um, yeah, it was just the, the extra layer. Yeah. Was it, is, I mean, again, I imagine this, I mean, I have a little bit of an idea because of like watching baseball, like the baseball world classic and stuff like that, but are there like specific countries are kind of known, like, obviously, like you said, Japan, a lot of small ball, quick yeah. are, are is are like certain countries notorious for certain styles yes i would say and um i mean mexico and canada they had a lot of 
American player players, believe it or not. So oh, okay. if your grandparents can or are from Mexico or then you can be considered. So there's a lot of college softball players that played in the United States on Mexico. So Mexico and Canada were pretty, yeah. And Canada. So obviously Canada's, I mean, Canada's just as close, but yeah. they, uh, that was style wasn't different just because they all had played in America. Um, but Italy, yeah. Like they all have some are more aggressive and, um, you know, gritty and stuff like that. So Everyone definitely has their own style. We're known for like big power. We're not as quick, but like a lot of power. Um, So everyone has their kind of strengths, which is kind of cool because it's just a different aspect. Oh yeah. Well, it adds a a different level to the preparation and the strategy, right? Like, especially in in a situation like that, it's like you could go from one team to the other within a few days and you completely have a different style that you're going up against. You You have to make that adjustment so quick. Now, did you have uh, teammates from Washington that were on some of those other teams? Um, yes, on Canada. Canada? Sorry about that. Yeah, Canada had like three, their center fielder, pitcher, and first baseman were all went to UW. Oh, that's awesome. On Canada, yeah. Awesome. I was going to ask you too, kind of going between the Olympics and college, as you mentioned before, obviously there was nobody in the stands at the Olympics. Yeah. So right. Right. It has to be completely bizarre. Right. Because I imagine the, the biggest game prior to that was the college world series, right? Like like the most intense atmosphere. So I imagine going from that big game where the place is going wild. I mean, college softball notorious for just having packed crowds, just insane amounts of energy to Japanese crickets, like nothing. (laughs) It was, yeah. Yeah. So was that, was that weird to get adjusted to that at first? Or, I mean, take us yeah. through that a little bit, like that whole atmosphere. I mean, obviously we knew there weren't going to be fans, but you can't really prepare, but yeah, it was just weird. Cause we're up to like, we're in the literally biggest stage and we know that we're in the biggest stage, but <laughs> it doesn't seem like the biggest stage because there's no one in the stands. You're like, are we sure? Like, are people watching on TV? Because you know, it, it, it's, so it's like a weird dichotomy, but, uh, yeah, we were all kind of like confused about it, but like when I was up to bat, I was like, I literally hear everything that my teammates are saying uh, in the dugout. Like that never happens. Like I literally I can't, normally can't hear anything. And then another thing was like, the crowd has a lot of influence on momentum. I feel like, and like, yeah. okay, maybe that was good for us because they would have had a lot of Japanese fans and cheering against us. But I feel like the crowd is just such a big part of the game in general. Like I I didn't realize how big, like the fans play such a big part. And so um, just like when someone got a big hit and there was silence, but like a few of us, like sounding, like we're just trying to yell as loud as we can. Like it's not the same as having like a whole stadium freak out. And like, um, so that feel was a little off, but um, I get, I guess at the same time, it made it special that i mean it was such an intimate experience but it was definitely noticed and that was probably like one of the weirdest things being there like knowing you're on the biggest stage but not feeling like it really right yeah like as you're as you're saying that like my first thought was i almost feel like it would be so obviously like growing up in orangeville like i've done plenty of like saturday morning sunday morning workouts at cass's track right Mm -hmm. and then while you're doing that it's right next to the softball field and there's been plenty of times over the years where there's softball tryouts softball Mm -hmm. practice like that's kind of what i like picture in my head like what you're saying is like oh yeah this huge massive space 
a team's there and they're playing, but like, yeah, exactly. I can hear everything from the track. Like I can tell, I can hear the coach barking. <laughs> I can hear the ball being hit. Like, yeah, that's just like the first thought. It would be very bizarre for sure. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Super it's, bizarre. It, yeah, it is. It was weird. Now, did it, I think you kind of alluded to this already, but did it take, I mean, did it take like an inning or, inning or two to get kind of like get up for the game and get that like energy realized and that realization that, Hey, we are at the Olympics. Like we need to kind of get that energy going yeah. or did it like, you know, how'd that work? Yeah. I feel like we had like the energy in the sense that we had like the nerves and like, because we knew we were like, you know, Tokyo 2020 was everywhere. So like we knew we were there. It was just, it was just also like, I remember having a conversation with someone before the game, like be batting practice and was like, we're really in the Olympics right now. Like, but it doesn't feel like it because there's no one there, but like we we're doing this. And then, but then like when, once we got out there, like there was no question about our energy and different things like that. If anything, I was like looking around, like, just like, Oh my gosh, I'm like living out a childhood dream, you know? So it's like yeah. a little bit starstruck there for a few, maybe like one inning, like the first inning. And then like we rolled with it, but yeah, it was just like, I really took that in and, we were, even though there wasn't fans, we still like, we still competed, still had the energy that we needed. Yeah. It, yeah. it seemed like it from, from my, <laughs> from yeah. my couch, watching you guys do your thing. It seemed like <laughs> that energy, energy, which was awesome. What was that like? What was that whole experience like for your family? Cause I imagine this was a trip that they were really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that's gotta be a, a major, yeah. I mean, obviously it was a huge roller coaster for you as far as the emotions of all of it, but I imagine for them too, it had to have been rough. Like how did they handle all that? Yeah, they were, they were bummed for sure, but like definitely understood. It's like, what are they going to be able to do? Um, so I think they were bummed. I was bummed for my dad just cause he is Japanese. Like I wanted him, he's never been. And like, he uh-huh. will never get on like a long plane. Like he just, he doesn't do long trips. So I was like, he's doing it because I'm in the Olympics and like, he's going to get to go to Japan. He's going to get to see everything. And like, yeah. so that was a big one. Cause I knew he would just be like so stoked to be there but and he was upset too but I think I mean they all knew like what are we going to do because COVID's happening like at least I think most of them were just really excited that I was still getting to go and so they were still supportive from back home and like they sent me letters and pictures and like before my first game and were super supportive so um yeah I think they're they were okay but it was a bummer that like none of us got any of our families. I mean, at least our families, it would have been cool if I like at least our families could go, but right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't even imagine. Uh, yeah. the whole thing was just wild. And it's crazy to think too, like, like you guys, as much as it, you know, it sucked and it would have been, you know, all these different things that you wish would have happened. It is kind of crazy to think that you guys like have a very specific place in history. <laughs> yes. Very you know specific. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's such a wild thought. So like you, you guys will be in like history books one day. That'd be kind of oh, crazy. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And just, if you could just mention the home team Sacramento podcast, if they interview you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Please do. Give us a shout out. Okay. <laughs> we would definitely appreciate it. Cause that's probably as close as we're going to get to a history book. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is, so this is a question from, from, uh, Kevin. This is one of the questions he wanted me to ask you. Um, obviously I think throughout this podcast, it, it's pretty obvious that you have a really good support system. Um, whether it be your teammates, your family, it sounds like you have a lot of people that love, love you, care about you and want you to succeed. But we also know, uh, you've played on some big stages 
and not everybody, maybe I'm wrong, but not everybody is going to always say the the nicest or kindest thing. So mm-hmm. his question, his question is basically like, how do you deal with, how do you deal with the haters along yeah. your athletic journey? Like when people, you know, like we like to think that people have our best in mind, but the bottom line is not everybody does. And some people would rather see us fail than succeed. So how do you deal with, you know, people that might be in that boat, whether you know them, or maybe it's just some yeah. clown on social media, <laughs> like yeah. how, do you, how do you deal with that stuff? Well, when I think about like haters, I don't know. Yeah. I think about like people they're they're on the outside, most likely, because like if they're in your inner circle, you know, the people that support you, like you said, like your family and different things like that, like those are the people that should matter. And then like if there are, you know, they're kind of like on the outside and people on the outside that aren't on the inside always have opinions on what you should be doing or whether you should have made Team USA or whether, you know, this or that. And, but it's, it's from the outside. So I feel like that's what really helps me like deal with it or get through. Or like, if I see a social media comment or something like that is like, they're on the outside. Like they're not in my inner circle. They're not the people that like, I know and trust and have my best interest in mind. So I'm not really going to take what they say. I'm not going to carry that much weight on what they have to say. And it is hard because you can read those things and then you have to try to like, just not let it get to you. Um, So that part like is tough for anything. But like, I think just remembering that, like, you know, that they're, they're on the outside, they're not on the inside. And if they're, they're saying those things, they're probably not on the inside. So just kind of, I honestly just like, I don't know how to describe it other than this. Like, just, I just flush it. Like, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't give it the attention, I guess. And I've never been one like to be on Twitter, scroll through, like, I just, I don't really give it the time of day. So I think that kind of helps like deal with the, the process, just knowing like people, those are people's opinions. It's not, it's not the fact. So, sure. um, yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, just, so you know, that's probably gonna be one of the sound bites I use for this podcast to promote it. Cause that was awesome. I think it's yeah. a great perspective. Uh, I also feel like depending on the athlete, that answer would be, you can just tell Ali's very kind because, uh, if I asked someone else that the answer would be very different. I know that for a fact, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be much more aggressive. <laughs> But that's, that's, a, that's such a wise way of, of looking at it though, because, you know, there's just no, there's no point in giving that person any space in your mind. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's gotta be, I mean, like you're kind of at an age where you're like kind of in the middle of the, all the social media. Right. But yeah. like, like you hear people say all the time, I probably age myself as I said that, but um, <laughs> people that are going to be younger than you are going to be yeah. even more just kind of, um, surrounded by all the social media stuff. So I think, I mean, I really think what you said is so wise, but I also think it's such a difficult battle for young athletes right now to, to fight because I mean, it's like, how do you, how do you avoid it? You know what I mean, exactly. it's like, it's, it's a very strange yeah. thing. So, um, you know, that's, that's smart. So you just, do you just monitor how much social media you use or do you just kind of stay away from it? Or are you just able to like look through it and just ignore I mean, I know you did this thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If I get, just do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I get a comment or, I mean, I don't really get much like hate, like on my thing specifically. I think um, there have been times where I get people's opinions in my DMs or something. And I'll just, honestly, I'll just delete it. Like, it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't feed into it. I just, I think the more you feed into it, the more you give it more power. And so, um, just it's kind of matter of fact the way I operate with it, but it's just like it's just uh you're you're on the outside, you know, I don't really know you, so delete, you know, and just sure. kind of having that agency and like confidence to know like 
you know, obviously my faith plays a big part in it. So it's like, I know God's purpose me to be on team USA. So if someone's saying like, why did she make it? Or, you know, different things. That's just an example. I don't think, I don't know if anyone said that, but like, um, it's like, well, God allowed me to make the team. I'm confident in that. So I'm going to be confident in that. And if someone has to say anything else, I'm not necessarily going to believe it because I believe there's a purpose in why I'm here. And so, um, being confident and knowing that has helped, but I think social media is just, I'm still figuring it out. Like, because I'll get stuck on it scrolling and, it, and I know we all do. And, um, it's a great tool, but I feel like it's really damaging the younger generation to be honest. And so just with comparison, especially with girls and different things like that. So I'm, I, that's how I want to be like, I want to kind of not figure it out, but be able to learn how to manage it well, or what's kind of the trick of it, because I want to be able to share that with the younger, younger girls and how they can still remain confident and not compare and uh, just be who they are without, with this extra element of social media. Sorry, I'm getting on a tangent, but it's just like people have to, these days have to, you have to be who you are in real life. And then you have to be someone on the internet. And it's just, I don't think something with that just doesn't seem right to me. So I'm like, man, how can we, like, how can we as women, just as people in general, still be authentic to who we are because we're sort of having to put this fake, you know, thing that we are on social media, but we can't really, it's fake because we can't really make it authentic because it's not real life, you know? Right. So I don't know. I have this like struggle with it all the time, trying to like um, see what's, what's a healthy balance of it all just because it's, it's pretty intense. <laughs> oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. as a, as a dad with very young girls, it's even now I'm like my wife and I will talk about that sometimes thinking, man, that's just one of those things that's like, we're so grateful. We don't have to deal with that now because they're so young, but like one yeah. day, like who knows what it's going to be like down the road when we do have to deal with it. Like it could yeah. be even more wild than it is now. And we're not looking forward to that, but we got to deal with it when we, when we cross that road. Yeah. You'll deal um, with it later. <laughs> yeah. We'll deal with it later. They're, they're, they're into like blues clues and, and having, yeah. and doing fun stuff like that. Perfect. But, um, but no, I think, I think that's a great message and I think it, it's so true. And I, I mean, and you probably know this a little bit too. I think where it gets tricky, um, the higher you go up in your athletic career or maybe not even athletic career, but obviously with people, you know, people that are influencers that get, um, connected with different brands, like you said, to your point, people are not necessarily the, their real selves on social media. And then it's amplified when they, like when money's on the line, right? Like if you have to promote certain brands, if you have to promote a certain image, then all of a sudden there's not just a pressure to, you know, put this image of yourself to make you feel good. But now it's like, well, if I don't, yeah. now there's money on the line. And if I don't do it, then I'm not going to sell enough of what I'm trying to sell. And yeah. it does become a very a slippery slope. It's a, yeah. you definitely have to have a good, uh, a good mentality. So yeah, you do that. So, but that being said, like I said before, all the stuff that you put out there is really super positive. And I think, um, yeah. like I said, I don't just say it cause she's on the show, but you guys should definitely go check out Allie's social media because, um, you won't, you won't be sorry. It's a lot of, a lot of good stuff, a lot of positive stuff, especially if you have, um, you know, young female athletes, like she is a, a really good role model, um, for all of them. So just go do it. Just go follow her. And <laughs> thank you. Now, I, I, do, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you did mention like how you just kind of delete the negative comments and the DMs. When you got, when you saw that you got an invite from us to be on this podcast, were you close to deleting it because you had such a horrible experience the first time you podcasted? Yeah, I was just like, delete. No, I, I knew it. I knew it. I'm going to tell Jordan, I, I was right, man. He was going to delete our, delete our, no uh, our way, message. No way. No way. <laughs> 
Well, we, we, we definitely appreciate you taking some time. I just have a few more questions and then okay. I will get you out of here. Cause like I promised, uh, we have a little bit a little more of a tight window on this podcast. That way we don't keep our guests for like an hour and a half. So <laughs> I'm sure people don't want to talk to us for that long. So, um, Excuse me. you know, another, another question that Kevin had that he wanted me to, to relate to you, uh, was how, so Kevin's, if anybody knows Kevin, I think anybody on this podcast knows Kevin Bracey and has, he's probably spoken to your team or your school at some point, but he's known as coach greatness. And he's all about, trying to extract the greatness out of everybody because he believes that greatness is in everybody. So obviously you've played at some of the highest levels and the highest stages. He wants to know, like, what does it take to be great at one sport? Um, something that I just, I think about is at just at every level that I've been at, you know, you work your way up rec ball to travel ball to call high school, to college, to pro there's a challenge at each level that you like go up at. And I think like being able to rise to that challenge and know like, okay, the pitching is going to get better in college. So I need to get better as a hitter. Um, I think having that drive to, to meet the challenge or obstacle and overcome it. I feel like that is like, Yes, you have to have the skills, but I think like the part of greatness is that you have the will and the fire to like, to, to meet that challenge head on and try to exceed it. Um, because there, I feel like at every level I can look past, like this could have stopped me. I could have settled and I could have given up, but I wanted to figure out how to get better. And so I think like at, at that in your sport or, you know, even whatever it is in life at your job, like there's going to be obstacles, but instead of like, oh, I guess this is, you know, my fate, you have the ability to kind of like meet that head on and try to figure out a way to get better, figure out a way to figure, you know, figure out the issue at hand. And I feel like that's what kind of has helped me excel at every single level um, going through. That's awesome. Yeah. Kevin's going to be bummed that he missed this episode. He's going to love that answer. You know, <laughs> I'm going to send it to him. It's like, hey, man, this was your question. It was a good one because that was a great answer. Um, let me see. I thought I had one more question for you. Oh yeah. So, uh, I, I think we asked you this last time we had a conversation, but who is a coach? Because I mean, our, our audience is primarily, uh, coaches specifically at the high school level, but you know, in your life, all these years of playing softball, who is maybe one coach that you just have a tremendous level of respect for and who you feel like got the very best out of you. And I just want to add one more thing to that. Is there a specific lesson or a phrase that you've taken from them and have basically applied to your life ever since? Yeah. I mean, when you say that, I think about my college coach, uh, Heather Tarr. She is like really good at getting the best out of all of her athletes. Like she gets to know them as people and she gets to know how they operate and she's able to like tailor to each individual, like how, you know, they get, you get the best out of them. And I felt like I just really like excelled like competitively at, at Washington when I was there. Like, I feel like that's where I really like got better and became a better hitter and different things like that. But it had a lot to do with like her being able to pull out the strengths in me. And, oh my gosh, there's tons of sayings that like she said that I still like think about today. But um, one of them is she says, how you do anything is how you do everything. I think that's a common one that a lot of people know, but it's something that 
really stuck with me and I really like, and I think it's huge for like character is like how you go to class. You know, if you, if you give it all, you're all in class, it's going to be like how you are on the field and it should be how you treat your family should be how you treat your friends, like who you are in one space should be how, who you are in every space. And you can't slack in school and then be really good at your sport. I mean, sure you can, but like, you're not going to get very far that way. So just like how you do one thing needs to, like, needs to be how you do everything. And, um, that's something in life that she really taught me. Um, and then, yeah, I think a big one, like just in softball in general is, um, she would always talk about like, keep the pleasure greater than the pressure. And I think that just in softball, especially like it's such a failure sport and you're going to strike out a lot, you know, and stuff like that. And so I think just remembering like there is pressure within the game, but always enjoying the game, always having like, a, like the pleasure exceeding the pressure. Um, I feel like that's what really made us who we were or as athletes at Washington and just me specifically like enjoying what I'm doing. That's going to get the best out of me as well. So I, I, she's, she's awesome. She like definitely, I don't know how she does it, but she, I, she's like a magician with how she gets the best out of her players, but her, and then I would obviously also say my dad, he's been with me through growing up and then I've had so many great coaches, but it's yeah, it's what's got me to where I am. So it's awesome. I'd love it. Um, you know, speaking of, of the love that you have for your coaches, I'm always fascinated again, kind of going back to this idea of, of us being a part of this home team. It's always cool when athletes come back to their hometown, their home school, and they give back to their team. So, um, is that something you do? Do you make a point of going back to going back to Washington? I mean, I know things are a little bit different now, but do you try to go back to Washington? Do you try to go back to CASA? Some of these different, I mean, if you played for any um, like competitive teams, do you try to go back to those places to give back? And like, why do you think that's so important to do? For sure. Yeah. I think going back to all of them, um, I go back to Washington often. And now like my coach at Washington is the Olymp- or the team USA coach. So that's really cool. So like, it's a good you know way to stay connected with her. And then um, I haven't been back to CASA, but they just got hired a new head coach who I'm really familiar with. So we've talked about like me being able to go back and like spend time with them, um, which awesome. I think is the coolest, like being yeah. able to go back to CASA. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. There's just something about like your high school, like where you're, where you grew up. It's like, there's just a lot that like, that's what I would be most passionate. I think about giving back to. Um, and then awesome. of course my travel ball organizations too, which is like the competitive teams I played on in high school. Like I still ca- stay connected with them. I've gone out to practices ever since I like was in college and ever since I left, like I've gone back. And I mean, obviously that's just important because that's where you came from. And, um, you know, it's like a cycle. If you can learn more too, and like feedback into what you've learned, like at Washington, feed that back into um, high school at CASA and then with travel board organizations in high school, like, I feel like that's like, just always great to be able to like funnel what you've learned back to the place that like built you. And so, um, I think it's really cool. And I think it's just a platform that I've been given to hopefully also just be able to share experiences in life things and like help people grow in their purpose and stuff like that as well. And not just softball stuff, but yeah, giving back is always huge. I also think it'd be cool to go back to my like rec ball league, which I haven't done yet. Like where I first ever started 
playing cool. and do something there. So I've been thinking about stuff like that now that everything's settled down, but I love it. Yeah. I, and I'm sure if they're listening to this podcast, they're thrilled or they're they be be, on it. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be ready. It's like, Hey, you'll get a phone call after this episode drops. Like, Hey, we're ready anytime. Just come out and, and hang out with us. Well, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's, that's awesome. Um, I guess my last question for you is like, what's next? What do you, I mean, obviously you did, you just wrapped up the Olympics over the summer. Uh, what's next for you, your career, uh, you know, what are your plans? So I just made the 2022 team. So, Hey, congrats. <laughs> thank you. So that will be, it's, it's really short. It's only in the summer, like June, July, August. Um, so that'll be my summer, but, and then I'll hopefully play in the pro league too. But leading up to that, I've been helping out at William Jessup. Um, so I've been coaching there cool. just probably part-time and I'm still around doing camps for young girls and, um, clinics and lessons where I can, you know, just teach the game and, so I stay connected with different travel organizations and help out at practices or um, go to tournaments and make appearances and answer questions and stuff like that. So I feel like that's kind of what I'm going to be doing is staying within the, the softball community, training, obviously, to get ready for the summer um, and then just, you know, giving back or teaching the younger generation, stuff like that, too. I'm also doing a church on the dirt, which is like a nonprofit where we go to tournaments and we're actually going to host a tournament, which is pretty cool in oh, Texas awesome. and going to get to do like devotionals before games on Sundays, just because like, uh, you know, on Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays is when softball tournaments are for the travel ball organization. So getting to give them little like church services or like chapels before their games and, yeah. um, kind of like, I don't know, bring that environment to the softball community is another thing that um, I'll be doing here or there with, along with some of my other USA teammates who are faith-based as well. So a little bit of everything is what I'm getting into, but I was going to say, um, yeah, it's, it's not like you have a, a full plate on yeah, top of, uh, on top of playing, plate, <laughs> but I like it. Like I like having the flexibility, like I'll be here sure. and then I'll be there. And so um, yeah, I'll definitely, but I'll be mostly in, in the SAC area for the most part. Got it. Well, knowing yeah. all that, we definitely appreciate uh, you even more for taking some time to talk to us. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> no, I'm not that busy. <laughs> that's not what it sounds like, but <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, and, and hopefully you know that anything you're doing, uh, if you have any, anything's coming up, um, just send them our way. And we would love to help share that with, with our community because, you know, like I said, we want to support the home team and, and you're a huge part of that. So, um, yeah, please send us any of that stuff that you, you have coming up for sure. Yeah. Thank you. So much. Um, where can people, I've told people multiple times to follow you. We should probably, we should probably tell them how. Tell them so, where. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> where can they follow I, you on social media? Yeah. I only have Instagram and it's Ali underscore Aguilar one. So All right. that's pretty much it. I don't have Twitter. I don't, I mean, I have Facebook, but Instagram is it. I don't have TikTok. Sorry guys. Yes. I'm good. I'm good with that. Cause I, yeah. hate, I hate TikTok. I, I've never had one. It's just the idea of it. I hate yeah. So you hate the idea and not the time spent on it. Uh, I hate all of it. I hate all of it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to end this on a negative note, but yes, I hate oh, okay. TikTok. Yeah. I can't do, I can't do this nonsense. Yeah. So, I have never really been on the app, so I don't know, but it's yeah. definitely a lot. Yeah. My brother's also said like, he's like, dude, you're 33. You shouldn't be on the app because you're yeah. too old. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're loving TikTok, something's off. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, yeah. He's, he said, he said uh, something similar in in a more descriptive way that I'm not going to share here on the home team podcast, but <laughs> it was very funny. So, 
anyways, Ali, thank you so much uh, for your time. Thank you so much for, you know, just everything you do in the community and obviously now in the world, because you're on a global stage. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. We're thankful that you're a part of our home team and uh, good luck with everything moving forward. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely.